The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker, and now with... I'm Ellie Wharton. This next guest that you... I could not believe this next guest and who he is. It's like, did you plan either the guest first and then the bad weather, or the bad weather, and then you called the guest? No, I was... Uh, I kind of really prayed about this one, so... Uh-oh, wait no. a second. <laughs> <laughs> arranged to have when I knew he was going to be here it's like working out some kind of weather situation it's a rain thing huh where you know, we'd have to go get our ark yeah Mark Dietrich who's director of the and you correct me if I'm wrong director of the St. Louis County Office of Emergency Management is here in studio welcome Mark to In Tune thank you Arnold and, and, and me and, and Mark and I we had long you know like we bonded while we were waiting okay so he knows who I am. I know. I already know who he is. Okay. Okay. Very good. You know. So and Mark's Mark has probably one of the most important responsibilities. I'm not saying jobs. Responsibilities. Yeah. Because it's it's a tremendous one, and I'm going to let him describe it. But I want to tease the listeners a little bit that if there's a situation, an emergency that occurs within the confines of St. Louis County, or if there is um, a disaster, or if a natural or some kind of other disaster, or there's a terrorist kind of incident. Those kinds of incidents, Mark is the one who is going to be directing the office. And he has, there's a lot of things that go into how you deal with these situations, how you prepare for them, how you, uh, you know, initiate response after them. So we're going to get into that. Uh, but first, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came into this position. Well, sure, absolutely. But before I do that, I just want to say that if you did have anything about bringing the weather in this weekend, you may not get me back on the air again. <laughs> I was just I really, kidding on him. I, I know you were. And I, I'd really rather avoid it, but uh, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, in my job, that's, that's what we deal with. So uh, we are prepared for that. Uh, a little bit about myself, born and raised in St. Louis, uh, spent... Uh, again, all my life here, and uh, started with the St. Louis County Police Department in 1992 as a police dispatcher. And then in 1998, a position opened up in the Office of Emergency Management. I interviewed for it, got it, and I've worked my way up in the office there uh, for the past 20 years till I became director, uh, actually four years ago this month. Wow, congratulations. Well, thank you. That, and you really know the ins and outs then of the office if you've worked your way all the way up. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's very important. Um, it's uh, kind of a funny story. A gentleman who I started with in the Office of Emergency Management, uh, he asked me once a few years ago, uh, about when did you really understand what we were doing here? And I said, you know, to be really honest with you, it took me about six or seven years to completely understand what our role was. And his response was, I'm glad you said that, because if you said anything less than that, I would have said you were lying. <laughs> and, and the reason uh, I think that's important is because when you're dealing with disasters, you may have a flood and you work that disaster and it, it, it finishes and you move on and you start to think to yourself, okay, I've got it now. I know what I'm doing. And then three months later, you may have a tornado 
And you work through that and you think, boy, everything I thought I knew, I just learned more. And um, every time there's a new disaster, there's something new to learn. And I kind of have a saying that all disasters are the same and all disasters are different. And what I mean by that is there are certain things that you have to focus on, uh, shelter for people, rescuing people, those sorts of things. But how it happened and exactly how you need to go about doing those things is all just a little bit different uh, with each disaster. So it's yeah, a learning and, process. And it's and I'm gr- glad to hear that you said you know, a learning process because if you're not evaluating how you've approached or after a disaster has occurred and you're not evaluating uh, all the things that go into responding uh, – you're not learning anything. No, absolutely. And I, that's almost a mantra of mine. Every time we have some sort of an activation, whatever it is, whether it's a planned event or a disaster, one of the first things I say to my staff is we did a great job. Now, how can we do it better? And we're constantly looking at what we do, how we do it and looking to improve that. uh, Because I don't think you can ever achieve perfection, but you certainly can strive towards that. Yeah. So we're talking about things, uh, folks at home, we're talking about like what is the county emergency operations plan? You know, radio communications, severe weather warnings. Like we heard the other day, the tornado warning sirens going off, and then you hear. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but but you know the thing is is that all they have to do is be listening to KWRHLP because we have the EAS system, the early alert system, and our station broadcast any emergency broadcast that comes across so it's automatic e- if something even happens during our interview that's right it we'll will be it will break in that's right we will be interrupted it'll break in and we will not be in control of the station until the, the uh, announcement has been completed so mark talk about um the the kinds of things that you deal with i know you mentioned natural disasters and you know there's fires it could be an earthquake you know years ago there was the ivan browning uh, thing, oh yeah, New Madrid Fault's going to go, and everybody needs to be prepared for that. And but there are, what are the situations that you have um, uh, helped manage and oversee the plans for St. Louis County in case something happens? Well, our, our basic plan is based. You mentioned the earthquake or the earthquake threat, I should say. Our basic plan is based on that earthquake threat, and the reason for that is that's our worst case scenario. So if we can build a plan to deal with that then everything else, I hate to say, would be easy, but it would be less difficult than uh, dealing with an earthquake. So that's where we start. Um, Even though that is our our greatest threat, our greatest hazard, we probably, uh, in this area, especially in Missouri and and even in this area, uh, flooding is more of an issue than anything else. And what we're looking at this weekend is uh, the possibility of flash flooding, which quite honestly uh, is the threat that keeps me up the most at night. And the reason for that is, is because the word flash, it happens very quickly. It goes away very quickly and it's very difficult to respond to. I can't right now tell you where the flash flooding is going to occur in the St. Louis County area uh, this weekend. I'm sure we're going to have some, but I can't tell you where it is. That makes it very difficult to respond to. Fortunately, we have a tremendous group of first responders, police and firefighters, who are prepared, who are ready. I was just on a conference call this morning uh, with many of them, getting everything uh, situated, getting things staged, so that if and when that flash flood occurs, they're going to be able to respond to it and rescue people, and hopefully we won't have any injuries or any fatalities. Because your plans take into account the, the hospitals in the area. They take into account all of the... Uh, law enforcement 
municipalities, Mm -hmm. the fire department districts, all on the same plan because they have to be, because they may have to help one another or move uh, many services into one general area. Absolutely. Uh, That's one of the difficulties that we deal with here in St. Louis County. When I go around the country and uh, talk with other emergency managers or have them come here for whatever reason, uh, one of the things that they're astounded by is uh, the makeup of our governmental system in St. Louis County. Um, you know, 88 municipalities, over 50 police departments, 43 fire districts. Uh, that's a very, on on the surface, that's a very difficult thing to manage. Uh, but I'm proud to say, and this really has more to do with the people who are in those roles than, than myself, when a disaster strikes, everybody works together and everybody has a common goal and they know uh, that they need to talk to their neighboring jurisdiction. If they need help, they'll come and help them, and vice versa. It, it goes both ways. So. so would you guys deal with things like, and I'm just going to name some things, uh, like an aircraft crash? Absolutely. Okay. Um, we, had, we had previously talked about the radioactive situation out at the... Um, Bridgeton Landfill? Bridgeton Landfill, right. Very familiar with it. Yeah, you guys are probably (laughs) losing sleep over that one for a a while and maybe still are because that's that's like a time bomb ticking there in some respects. It's, uh, yeah, and um, we try not to refer to it as a ticking time bomb. I was going to say, I'm sorry. That was a little drastic there. (laughs) Take that one back. Roll roll back the time. (laughs) No, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and the point you're trying to make is there is the possibility that at some point something could happen there. Right. Um, the reason I try to avoid the ticking time bomb uh, phrase is because it's not going to explode like a bomb Right. Uh, if something were to happen there. However, there's the possibility of radiation being released if that fire reaches the surface. Uh, and that, that is a, a great concern. Uh, I work with that daily. Uh, fortunately, I have a very good relationship with the... Uh, chief of the hazmat team which is a gentleman who's assistant chief at Pattonville fire matt lavanchi yeah i'm familiar uh, with matt yeah and uh matt and i uh i'm the chairman of the lapc which is the local emergency planning committee and he's the vice chairman so we talk regularly uh not only at our meetings but uh just about uh probably once or twice a week uh and it unfortunately now centers around the landfill more often than not wow okay so you could have things like uh, a tornado which we have a lot of here, Uh, a severe thunderstorm, which blows through like maybe straight line winds, uh, which does a lot of destructive damage also. Uh, Especially uh, in a community like this with so many trees. Right. Absolutely. Especially the mature trees that you have here that can do a lot of damage. A lot of damage. That's right. And you know, what's interesting too, when we talk about the flash flooding, it's, it's so almost sometimes by municipality, because I can remember one day coming down Olive in U-City. It was storming so badly that even with my windshield wipers on extra high, and then me getting out there, you know, and like scraping it off, you know, I couldn't even hardly see. I get to 170 and start heading down here to Webster. By the time I got to Ladue Road, it was dry as a bone. Right. You know, and so it's almost like, how do you guys plan when you're looking at a situation where where you may be maybe sunny and bright and dry as a bone and you're hearing that maybe 15 minutes away there's a flash flood getting ready to occur well i'll tell you uh, a real good example of that and i think uh, something that can relate or your listeners can relate to is uh, just recently we had the pga championship here right at bell reef country club and uh, my office did all the planning for that event 
And we had an issue on that Friday where a thunderstorm was coming through. And actually, I tell people it's kind of interesting because if it had been any other Friday and I was looking at the radar, to be quite honest with you, it would not have even registered with me. It would have been one of those, okay, yeah, there's a storm coming through, but not a big deal. Well, the the thunderstorm cell just happened to be centered right over Bell Reef Country Club. Oh, my. And we were working on trying to get folks out of there uh, to safety. It was... Let me back up. That The thunderstorm was coming towards there, but it was still bright and sunny at the country club. And so just as you're saying, people are saying, I don't need to leave. It's, you know, it's sunny. It's beautiful. Actually, it's kind of cooled off now, and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this. There's a little uh, breeze coming in. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, but there were uh, lightning strikes all around, and we could not get people to leave. Uh, we had a large number of people who literally stayed on the metal bleachers and refused to leave as the thunderstorm was passing through. That or they would retreat to under trees. Uh, And there were several under trees also. (laughs) That is, well, you know, and I just remembered reading this week, I I guess if you had been in Japan, you probably would have never slept this week because Japan had a typhoon, um, earthquake, earthquake, landslides. I mean, they just had all kinds of stuff happen to them this week. When you start to think about those multiple disasters coming in at one time, how do you prepare your people to to really deal with all of that? I mean, because, you know, if we had a tornado, an earthquake, and a landslide and a flash flood all at one time. That's an excellent question. And uh, the answer to that is what I said a few moments ago. All disasters are the same. All disasters are different. You can't worry about, as an emergency manager, you can't worry once it's happened why what has happened has happened. What caused it? Was it a tornado? Was it a flood? Doesn't matter. You need to respond to what the needs are and you need to start prioritizing what the needs are. The most important thing an emergency manager can do is remain calm. Uh, that's what we like to say is that we're the calm in the midst of the storm because we have to get from where we are now back to where we were before that storm. And you can't do that if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, you know, worried about, oh, this was this happened and this happened and this happened. You need to focus on the things that you need to do. And first and foremost, that's life safety to make sure that people have a secure place to to sleep that night, uh, food in their belly and uh, some comfort or some some hope that things are going to get better. You're listening to Mark Dietrich, who is the director of the Office of Emergency Management for St. Louis County, and you're listening to In Tune with Arnold Stricker and Ellie Wharton. And Mark, you know, you have a very calm demeanor, uh, which I think assists in maybe the planning or the execution of the 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 plans that you have. I, I know there's like four steps, four phases of emergency management. There's a mitigation, a preparedness, then you have a response, which we've talked a lot about, and recovery, which we've also talked about. Can you kind of highlight uh, a little bit of each one of those, uh, especially the first couple ones like mitigation and preparedness? Sure, absolutely. Uh, mitigation comes in several forms. If we're talking about floods, it can be things like things like flood walls or levees, those sorts of things. Uh, earthquake preparedness, and this is something that your listeners could do, is to make sure that things like bookcases are mounted against the wall or are bolted to a wall so that they don't fall over. That's actually, in an earthquake, that's actually how people get hurt. Quite often you see it in movies and it looks like the earth opens up and people get swallowed up by the earth. That's Hollywood uh, dramatization. In reality, it's uh, buildings or furniture falling over on top of people. So uh, things uh, such as that are are mounting your uh, hot water heater so that it doesn't fall over, so that you have water after uh, the the earthquake has passed through, because you're probably going to have your 
the line to your house is, is a good chance is going to be cut off. And that hot water heater could at least supply you with some water for a few days until services get yeah. restored. Better than the uh, toilet tank. Yes, that would be. Uh, <laughs> that would be second choice after we've finished. It's still with the clean wa- water. That's, that's right. Exactly. It's still clean water. But it's uh, my mind says. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Get, getting that hot water heater strap to make sure yeah. that it's, it's, yes, it's secured. Exactly. Uh, you know, and I'm going down here uh, having a, an alert radio. To be Absolutely. able to pick up the the alerts that come out, uh, weather alert radio is, is very very important. You talked about the EAS system, which is also important. And I also uh, you mentioned the tornado sirens a little while ago. I want to touch on that also. Uh, it's very important. We always like to say this whenever we're talking to anybody about uh, preparedness is those weather outdoor that weather outdoor warning system is exactly that. It's an outdoor warning system. It's not meant to be heard inside. Uh, people quite often uh, call our office to complain about that. I didn't hear the sirens going off at 2 o'clock in the morning. And our response is usually, that's a good thing. If you were sound asleep in your bedroom, we don't want them loud enough to wake you up. Because if anybody is outside at that time, their ears are going to start bleeding. It's going to be so loud. Uh, but a weather radio is going to automatically go off. And you, that will wake you up, I guarantee it. And uh, you're going to know what's going on. What we tell people... When you hear that outdoor warning system, you need to go inside, go downstairs if you have a basement, and turn on a radio, turn on a TV, and find out what's going on so that you know what you need to do. It may be that the path of the storm is not going to come through your area, and that's fine. It may be that it is, but we'd rather you be inside, get that information, and then do whatever actions you need to make. You know, and I want to emphasize, uh, Ellie, what he said about radios, because Many times you lose electricity, your television's not going to work, or if a cell tower gets knocked over, your phone's not going to work, uh, or the, the lines are jammed or whatever. Having that radio is extremely important, a battery-operated oper- one, if I can talk clearly, uh, but, but it's been plugged in, it's battery backup, so you always make sure you have some kind of communication as to find out what's going on or what the plan is or how things are going. Absolutely. On. That's probably one of the biggest complaints that we get from uh, citizens is that, oh, the, you sounded the sirens, but you know it was sunny here where I am. There's no problem. Why did you sound the sirens? Again, that siren is just telling you to go get information. Go and turn that radio on and find out. And if it's not coming in your area, again, great. Go on about your day. Don't worry about it. Uh, But I have a policy, and I will continue this policy, that I will sound every siren in our system throughout the entire county, regardless of where the storm is going. And the reason for that is I want people to have as much information as they can have about a storm before it gets here. And we're a very transient society. Some people live in a far south county and work uh, maybe in downtown St. Louis or work in North County or vice versa. And people are going to be moving around throughout the county. And if we don't give them some sort of a warning that they may be driving into an area or maybe they have family members there, uh, we need to, that's our responsibility to make sure you have that information. So um, I understand it might be inconvenient when people hear the, the sirens and they have to go inside and uh, it's not going to affect them. But 
to me, 30 seconds, one minute out of your life or out of your day is uh, much better than losing your life or being injured or losing your home. And when you do have some kind of disaster, you, um, you have a mobile command center that can be on site or get close by so you can get some eyes on and have some local kind of uh, uh, local being like right there kind of uh, coordination of what's going on. Absolutely, we do. We also use uh, social media for that. Um, everybody... Uh, and I, everybody in quotes, has a smartphone. Uh, but the majority of people have a smartphone, and the majority of people are going to post things on their social media. When a storm comes through, we actually use that information to find out where the storm uh, has hit the worst. Uh, we obviously vet that information before we start sending responders because we don't want to send people someplace where they're not needed. Uh, but that's a, a huge uh, way for us to get eyes and ears on it uh, before we can get our mobile command center there. And, and you know, it, it reminds me of when I first moved to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, wouldn't you know, like I had just moved there, had never, ever, ever lived in the South like that. And we had this horrendous tornado coming. And this was back in 1978, that's what it was. And I'm watching the TV and we had this meteorologist who was known for sensationalism. And it's pitch black, I mean, it is a terrible storm out there. We, we know there's a tornado coming. And he's circling this little area on his map, you know, and he's saying to us, and if you live in this area, and he's like circling it, and then he hollers, run <laughs> we all start running you know <laughs> we didn't know where we were running to but he he frightened the entire region and actually where the tornado hit was probably about half an hour away but he had the entire region just absolutely frantic so i can certainly see the value of having someone like you and the and the emergency responders who are calm who are providing accurate information, especially to meteorologists on the, you know, because there are things as ratings. Absolutely. Okay? And what we really need to know is the truth as to where is the where is it going to hit? How quickly should I get my family to safety? But we should have also prepared ahead of time as to where we're going to go. Absolutely. Well, and, and I will say just real quick that the meteorologists, uh, the TV meteorologists in our market here are very good. And that's, it, they want to get the information out. Uh, I've talked to all of them individually, and they work very closely with us, and they do not want to be sensational. <laughs> Good. That's excellent. Well, this is uh, Arnold Stricker and Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Stay tuned for what you can do to prepare for emergencies. back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We have Mark Dietrich from the Office of Emergency Management. He's the director of the St. Louis County Office. And uh, if you have a question for uh, Mark, it's 314-736-4510. You can text that to our number, 314-736-4510. And we're going to get into what you can do now as a 
homeowner or as an individual or a family or, or maybe as a business, uh, things that to be prepared for, for some hazards. And we're talking like about earthquakes, extreme heat, fires, floods, hazardous materials, household chemical emergencies, lightning and thunderstorms, a public health emergency, severe winter weather, ice storms, terrorism, and tornadoes. That kind of covers it, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, it does. If you're going down the list, I'm not feeling too safe. <laughs> wait, wait. Do we have, though, attack by the African bee? We do not. You're taking me back to my childhood. That's though. right. I remember exactly. fearing remember that, that immensely yeah. as a child. That's right. The attack. And, and then you also remember that a nuclear attack, too. Remember that where we oh, have absolutely. to get underneath our desk and cover our heads? I remember that. I, and I always said, you know why we did that? So that when the rescuers came along later on, they could say, okay, this was Ellie right here. That's right. This was Ellie's <laughs> desk. This must, right, be so Ellie. must be Ellie underneath there. Those civil defense <laughs> shelters that had the civil defense marker outside buildings to know that it was a an either it was a nuclear shelter, an air raid shelter to go to. Now, that dates us. Yes, it does. But we practiced those drills. Oh, we did. We were, you know, that, fire drills. I remember the fire drills in mm-hmm. schools. Tornado. Um, tornado drills. All of those drills. We were drilled, man, like now we were ready. And, they yeah. were. And I'll tell you, when you talk about fire drills, you know, the last time in this country a child died in a school fire was 1958. Wow. And that is a testament to how important those drills are and how schools do them twice a year. And it's been that long since we've actually had a child lost in a, uh, a school fire. You know, and it's interesting you say that because something I think families do not maybe do are family fire drills or family tornado drills, uh, things like that. Would Is that something you agree with or... No, absolutely. People should be doing that. That's part of preparedness is you need to know what to do uh, before it happens. And, you know, using the school fire drills as an example, if you go to any school when they're having a fire drill, and I've gone to several over the years, the kids, the kids do what they need to do. And part of the reason they do what they need to do is because they're getting out of class for a little while. So they enjoy that. Um, But they also, you know, they're, they're grumbling. It's oh, another fire drill that we have to go through. And you kind of even see some teachers, oh, it's just another fire drill. It's messing with my plan or what I had for the day. But the fact of the matter is they go through those. They know exactly what they need to do. And when that fire alarm sounds and it's real, they do what they need to do. You can't expect anybody to do a plan, especially in a high-stress situation, unless they've practiced it. You know, and that's a great point because I know when I go to a movie theater or I go to a doctor's appointment or I'm going into some foreign building, one of the first things I look for are the exits because I'm now in a foreign environment where I don't know where the exits are, but I need to acquaint myself. You know, on airplanes, they tell you, you know, the exits are here, the exits are there, and, you know, you're going to have lights and all this other kind of stuff. But in it, when you go to even like a shopping center or, mm-hmm. you know, you're at, you're at Galleria or you're some large establishment, how do you get out of the place if something happens? That's really important. Uh, it is, and I'll, I'll add even one to that. When you're in a hotel, yes, uh, think about those things, and and that's probably the most difficult. It's it's kind of easy. You're at a shopping center, you're walking through, you can kind of see it. You, you, I'm not saying you have it on your mind, but it may register. When you're in a hotel, generally you're on vacation. You're there to have a good time. The last thing you're thinking about is something going wrong where you're going to have to evacuate that building. So I just always encourage people on that first day when you check into the hotel, talk to the hotel staff. What One of the things to ask 
is, especially if it's during the spring when we most likely have a tornado, is what is the siren system here? Not every county has the same policy that we do. Uh, Some of them sound it for high winds. Some of them only sound it when the tornado's been spotted. So you want to know that before you go in. Not trying to ruin your vacation, just make sure that you know what you need to do if and when that needs to happen. Yeah, and, and preparing for these things, um, the personal preparedness, uh, ha- what what your personal preparedness equipment is that you should have for yourself and your family. Uh, and, and as I was preparing for this show, you know, there's an excellent app that you guys uh, have, have put out that where a family or an individual can can make a plan on their their phone uh, it the information stays on the phone or stays on the iPad or or the other device that you're using uh, you put in emergency contacts and you can press a button and you send an email or a text out to them uh, where the closest evac shelters are or police how is the where's the closest police department to you fire department it's it's a, a, an excellent thing mark uh, whoever put this together really had a lot of thought into it and it's uh, extremely useful so so you went on the um the app store right correct and then you typed in what did you type in uh should be st louis county prepares st louis county see i'm doing this right as we're speaking okay just to show our audience how really really easy this is it also has some tools it has an alarm an sos alarm which i turned my there it is there and also has a flashlight has an sos beacon on it so it you know Dit, 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 dash, 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 dit, 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 uh, those kinds of things. A lot of interesting things. You can have some push notifications, GPS uh, location on there, but it gives you alerts. It gives you some um, maps and provides, uh, tells you where some services are located. So how, how can a family or an individual prepare for any kind of uh, event that's going on? Well, I think, and thank you for the kind words you said about the app, because we're very proud of that. And uh, I think that's one place you can start. Uh, We tell people that what you need to do is create a plan uh, to start with. And when you tell people to create a plan, uh, I get it. That sounds very overwhelming. You start getting ideas of binders and uh, all types of things (laughs) like that. That just, that puts people off. Nobody wants to do that. And trust me, I don't want to do that either. But with this app, you can very easily create a plan by simply answering questions. It'll ask you, how many people are in your family? And you answer that. And now the app will tell you how much food they're going to need, how much water they're going to need, um, all those types of things. And then it will ask you, who is an out-of-town contact that you would uh, want to get a hold of in the event of a disaster? And the reason we suggest you have an out-of-town contact is because quite often the phone lines, the local phone lines will be down, but you'll be able to get out of the local area and make a long-distance call. It's it's also good because generally you can uh, make the assumption that if you have an aunt that lives in Denver, they are probably not going to be affected by whatever the disaster is here. So everybody knows they call Aunt Marcy in Denver. Aunt Marcy says, okay, Mark, uh, uh, whoever else in your family has already called, they're okay. Now we start to know where people are and if they're okay. We also have on that app, as you mentioned, uh, that you can push a button and let people know. Uh, It'll automatically send out an email or a text that says, hey, I'm okay. And the reason for that is, let's say that earthquake does happen here, and Aunt Marcy is in Denver and she sees there's an earthquake, the New Madrid Fault, knowing that my family is here. Now she gets a message 
from all of us saying, hey, we're okay, and she can uh, be sleep a little easier that night. Yeah, you've got uh, make my plan, so you push in the number of adults and children. Mm-hmm. Even if someone, uh, does someone in your household have special needs? It also goes into, do you have any pets? And select a, a, a pet buddy, and you have a, a, a text messaging phone s- situation. Choose an emergency meeting place, and a phone number's optional. Who are you going to notify, as Mark was, was saying? And then what is, what is the status? You can add contacts, and you generate your plan. Uh, it's, it's very fluid. It's very simple to use, but, it, man, it is a great uh, source. And it's a, a, a lot of, I would think, not a lot of power like, like um, muscle, power. muscle power or anything like that, but it, it puts things in a very concise manner. Like you said, it's not a big notebook or stuff you, like you that. You don't need that. You right. really need to keep it as simple as possible. And that's St. Louis County Prepare? St. Louis County Prepares. Prepares, yes. okay. Mm-hmm. And the second step in, in being prepared is to put a kit together. And what a kit is, uh, food, water, uh, maybe some clothing, depending on, on uh, where you're putting this kit. And I suggest three kits for everybody. I suggest a kit at home, and that should be your biggest kit. I suggest a kit for your car, because you never know when you might be traveling somewhere and have the, uh, the disaster hit. And that's when uh, we kind of normally think about uh, winter weather being in the car and getting stuck. So that would, you'd want to put some winter weather clothing in there. You should also, just as an aside, change up these kits once in a while, put fresh things in there, maybe change the clothes, put summer clothes in for the summertime, uh, obviously. And uh, the third kit should be in your office, uh, wherever you work, because you never know when it's going to happen. And, and I'm going to touch on the part that I think is always difficult whenever I talk to people, is the fact that as parents, we often think, if a disaster strikes, my kids are going to be with me and I'm going to be able to take care of them. The fact of the matter is, if you just take a moment, well, let's just use right now as an example. Is your family uh, all right together right now? No. Most likely, everybody's spread. Uh, mom and dad may be at work. Kids are at school. Kids may be at different schools different depending schools, on their age. Right. You may have older kids who are away at college. So everybody's not going to be together. So everybody needs to know what your plan is. Everybody needs to be part of that plan if you have the app, uh, needs to have a copy of that on their phone so they know who the out-of-town contact is, so they know where you're going to meet. If for some reason you can't get to your home, where are you going to meet so that we know that everybody's okay? I like that share my status part because you're right. If you've got family all over the country, children everywhere, that could be the worst time because you don't know what's happening to your family members. But by having share my status, everybody can get on there and text each other. You know, we're safe or we really need help or, you know, and, all and kinds here's of a, things. And here's a really good example that anybody who was alive uh, for 9-11 can understand. I ask people when I'm speaking to groups, I ask them this question quite often. Uh, on 9-11, 2001, were you in New York City or in uh, in Pennsylvania where the other plane went down? Most people in this area answer no. When you heard that happened, what was the first thing you wanted to do? Call your loved one. Absolutely. You wanted to make sure they, even though you knew they weren't there, it was just the impact of what had happened hit you so hard, you wanted to make sure that your family was okay. I, 
a little personal note on mine is my father died two days before that. Mm. And the first person I wanted to call that day was my dad. Was your dad, yeah. So it was it was a little little different uh, for me. But I mean, that, that really hits home when you talk to people and say, you know, what did you want to do now? Okay, now imagine that you know your loved one was in the area where the, whatever the disaster was. It could just be a tornado. It could be a flood. You want to know they're okay. And that's where that app really comes in. Now you look, okay, I know they're okay. I can't talk to them for whatever reason, but at least I know they're okay. And that's a huge uh, relief for people. And, and Mark, you know, we actually had a guest on, was it two weeks ago, Arnold, when we had Brigadier, Brigadier General David Turner on? He was actually in the Pentagon Mm-hmm. At the moment when it was attacked, when it was attacked, and he actually saved the life of his superior, basically oh, by making the guy get up and get, <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> you know, like, okay, we need to get out of here. And it's like exactly where he was was where the plane came in. Mm-hmm. So he was, uh, a, you know, recognized sure. for saving the life. But imagine what his family must have thought, you know, knowing that he's there in the Pentagon and the Pentagon has been hit. That must have been an awful, frantic time. Oh, absolutely. You're listening to In Tune with uh, Arnold Stricker and Ellie Wharton, uh, KWRH LP 92.9 FM. We're talking to Mark Dietrich, the director of the Office of Emergency Management for St. Louis County. Mark, now you talked about these three kits in food, water, clothing. Uh, what about, you know, just basic other kinds of communication? Uh, I know we, we rely on, I'm holding up a phone, folks. You can't see this. You know, it's nothing up my sleeve, presto. Uh, <laughs> But we, we really rely on phones to communicate. And there may be a disaster that happens where these things are, they don't do anything except be a paperweight. That's true. And we've also found that uh, quite often the cell towers will be overwhelmed and you can't make a phone call. But remarkably enough, you can text. Text, correct. And uh, that was very evident in Katrina. Uh, a lot of people were able to text their information. So that's one way you can communicate. We also, really, like we talked about it already, but having a battery-operated radio so that you can hear local media and know what's going on, having a battery-operated weather radio. Uh, we call those weather radios, but we will also use them to push other information out, not just the weather. But if, for instance, we had to do an evacuation for some reason, we would use that along with local media to uh, get that information out, where you need to go, where shelters are, uh, those sorts of things. Now, you probably won't get into specifics about how much food and how much water. You know, people like, I need, you know, 50 gallons of water. You know, there's people that say you need so much gallons of water for an individual and multiply that out by your family, and that's what mm-hmm. you should always have stored, or food that's not necessarily uh, in in the freezer, but it's something that's non-perishable that can sustain you over the time, you know, some kind of... Uh, if it's in the winter, something that will keep you warm. If it's in the summer, something that will keep you cool. You know, all those kinds of things. Are are those, I don't want to say valid, but how much uh, weight should somebody put on those things? Absolutely. Uh, as far as water goes, it's three gallons per person per day. So that's a lot of water uh, that you need to have stored. Uh, I will tell you the best way to get to that point is to not go out and buy three gallons of water for each day you think you're going to need it for every person in your family at one time. Start small. Buy an extra case of water, or or if you don't buy water, just buy a case of water every time you go shopping. At some point, you will get enough water stored for, I like to say, 96 hours. Generally, in uh, most 
national uh, preparedness uh, the national preparedness information they generally go with 72 hours that's okay I just like to give you a little bit more I'd like to have a little cushion there mm-hmm. so plan on 96 hours um, build up that water supply slowly over time I don't expect anybody to go out and buy you know a pallet of water and put it in their basement the other thing that I tell people about water is first of all water has an expiration date on the package water doesn't go bad uh, it'll start to taste funny but it's not bad for you it's not going to hurt you but what I always tell people is start rotating that water once you get to the point where you have enough now start taking the oldest and using it and just continue to replenish that so you always have uh, that water supply as far as food uh, you're absolutely right a non-perishable type food but here's the big caveat on food do not get food that you don't normally eat. And here's what I mean by that. If you think, oh, okay, canned sardines, yeah, that'll, that'll last forever. So I'm going to buy a stockpile of canned sardines. And you don't normally eat canned sardines, uh, you're probably not going to want to eat it. And I know people always tell me, well, if I get hungry enough, I will. Yeah, you, then you really need the water. <laughs> yeah. that's right um and also your body if you're not used to eating that food your right. body's not going to process it as well as it probably should if i can be as so in other words what you're saying is if you eat the wrong thing that you're not used to you better have an extra roll of uh scots yes <laughs> tissue with you well and, and i'm going to let him finish this but that becomes another thing is uh you know how do you deal with human waste in a disaster situation where if there was an earthquake and pipes have been broken, et cetera, like that. But, you know, we'll get there in a minute. I want you to finish your train of thought there. Well, absolutely. We, uh, you know, you're, you're eating food that you're not used to eating. Uh, you're going to, and you're in a stressful situation. So your body's going to process that uh, incorrectly, I'll say. And you're going to have another problem that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, and as far as dealing with things like uh, waste, if uh, uh, your, your pipes are broken, uh, let me just start with if the pipes are not broken, uh, but you just don't have water, that's also another use that you can use uh, that bottled water for that maybe the older stuff. You can use that to flush the toilet. If the pipes are broken, uh, obviously you don't have time to go into detail now, but there's information. Uh, you can Google it, uh, or we have some links even on our website to teach you how to uh, make a latrine in your yard uh, and and do that safely uh, so that uh, you don't spread disease because that is another problem that we have to deal with in a a major disaster. Yeah, that's something I think people don't really think through. They think, oh, yeah, I've got the food, the water, I've got the clothing, but oh, my gosh, you know, and it's going to be, you know, different for different uh, sexes. And, you know, how that stuff's taken care of. And you just can't, well, you know, uh, yeah, I got a shovel. Um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, people with small children. Right. Absolutely. You know, right. where maybe you're dealing with diapers, things like that. Yes. That, uh, again, become very difficult to dispose of, you know, and you don't want those things just piling up because then as things dry out, you're going to end up with uh, worms and um flies and things you know which then becomes another issue Absolutely. Another and, issue. and i was just going to say we look work very closely with the health department they're part of any emergency operation that we have uh, to work on issues just like that yeah yes. i could see that could be an issue yeah this is this is uh something i think that periodically we need to have you back and talk about because 
preparing for, most people think, ah, disaster. You know, they think the earthquake thing. But there are some small kinds of situations, like we mentioned this, the household um household chemical emergencies you know most people know not to mix a, a couple different household products together and or even store them near each other because uh, that can create an issue but you know uh, taking some precautions uh, following the instructions that are on things so you don't have these kinds of incidents that happen and create uh, a hazard around uh, in your house or for your family absolutely uh, you know a really good example of this is mixing bleach and ammonia. Uh, people are cleaning and sometimes absentmindedly. And, and I'll go ahead and, and just say this. Men are not the best at reading directions. We just have a no. tendency not to do that. I know it's, it's you probably never heard that no, before. No, I've ne- and have it's, certainly it's never experienced right. it. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you, may get, uh, you may get a guy who's going to do some cleaning and he's going to make his wife happy because he's going to clean the kitchen for the first time in 30 years. And if, if bleach is good and ammonia is good, well, they got to be good if you mix them together, right? Uh, well, no, that's, uh, that causes a problem. And that does, it, it's not a, a widespread problem, but that does happen from time to time. And sometimes just absentmindedly uh, mixing it or the, the bottles aren't labeled correctly. Uh, those things are, are very, very important. How you store your chemicals in your uh, in your garage or wherever you store your chemicals are they uh, are they on a shelf? Um, and we're talking about a hazard of earthquakes here. What happens if that earthquake hits right. and these things fall off and spill? So you know, we did talk about medicines either. If people are dependent upon certain types of medications, that they have uh, either that in their kits. Or, and that they're rotating that because that medication does have an expiration. Absolutely. Rotate that. Uh, another uh, real good idea is to have a copy of your prescription in your kit. Uh, have a copy of any type of important papers, whether it be a passport, driver's license, birth certificate. Uh, that's all going to be important in a disaster. Medical conditions, uh, things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, this is uh, this is great, Mark. We need to have you back sometime down the road and, and kind of... Uh, not rehash some things, but really investigate some areas in a little bit more detail, getting some feedback from the community. And uh, hopefully uh, there, there won't be any things that occur that you guys are going to have to evaluate. But if, if between the next time you're back, there has been a situation, we'd really like to know uh, how you uh, have changed some things and uh, what you've done to really help. And I, I really appreciate the job that you and, and the staff and all of the first responders are doing to help keep us safe in these kinds of disasters and emergencies. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. Mark, thanks very much for coming on Intune. Ellie, what a uh, very interesting um, discussion about about things that we really don't think about until something happens. And then we're like, wow, I, I should have done something like that, or where are the people to help me? And and a lot of it begins with each individual and then each individual family doing their part, being a little bit more prepared. And then you don't have uh, this massive uh, dependence upon uh, another agency to assist you along the way. That is very true, and I would probably say one thing you all tell people, when they do hear the siren and the alarm, they need to go and get to a safe place immediately. Absolutely. Go inside and find out what's going on. Good. Good advice. Well, we're glad that you joined us on Intune uh, today, and we hope that the things that we've talked about have spurred some discussion and some thought and some reflection on your part to help not only yourself, but your family be prepared for what's going on. Don't forget... When the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. This is KWRH LP 92.9 FM, 
For Intune Studio Manager Christopher Daisy, co-host Ellie Wharton, I'm Arnold Stricker. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, walk worthy and let your light shine.